It's the Americhips with Kim Monson. Now, while this is all going on, I went through President Trump's speech and uh, Chuck and Nancy's rebuttal. The most important story. The American people finally said enough, and that is why they elected Donald Trump. The latest in politics and world affairs. Britain's version of Medicare for All is struggling with long waits for care. And opinions and ideas that prepare you to tackle the day ahead. Because ideas matter. It's the Americhicks. Dissecting issues as right versus wrong instead of right versus left. Agree or disagree, let's have a conversation. Indeed, let's have a conversation. This is Kim Munson with the AmeriChicks, and we have an amazing show planned for you today. I have in studio with me my guest chick, and that is Susan Kochevar. She is an entrepreneur, a businesswoman, owner of the 88 Drive-In Theater. She's in the Wall Street Journal. She is everywhere. Welcome, Susan. Good morning. It's great to have you here. Thank you. And uh, you have a real care, love for entrepreneurship and for small businesses. And so we're going to dissect in the third and fourth segment a number of pieces of legislation that were proposed or passed this last legislative session here in Colorado and what that can mean for small businesses. Yes. Staggering. Staggering. That's for sure. So we will jump into that in the third and fourth segment. In the second segment, Dr. Chris Miller, he is an expert on higher education uh, and he lives back east. He's going to be calling in regarding what's going on in college campuses. And in particular, there is this buzzword, it's intersectionality. And I remember hearing it a number of years ago, probably about four or five years ago, but it's a, it's a real buzzword now on uh, college campuses. And I think that you all need to understand uh, what that is exactly, because um, you can see it in the New Green Deal, you can see it in lots of different spots, and so it'll be good to have a conversation with him. Mm-hmm. And yesterday... One of my favorite actresses, Doris Day, passed on. She was 97 years old. But I remember watching all those shows with her, movies with her, and Rock Hudson. Of course, you being in the movie business, uh, you probably had a, had a great love for it, Doris Day as well. Yeah, she was an amazing woman. Yeah. Very talented. Very talented. She could sing. She could dance. She could act. Yep. And uh, so anyway, rest in peace, Doris Day. Uh, So let's go ahead and jump into a number of things. First of all, our uh, inspiration today is from Bobby Knight. Bobby Knight is only one of three coaches that ever won the NCAA title, the NIT title, and an Olympic gold medal. Not to mention he is also a member of the College Basketball Hall of Fame and Basketball Hall of Fame. And Bobby Knight says this, the key is not the will to win. Everybody has that. It's the will to prepare to win. That's what's important. And uh, Susan, you probably know that, you know, being an mm-hmm. entrepreneur and preparation is really, really important. Oh, yeah. We start cooking that food about three in the afternoon. If you're not ready, you're lost in the dust. You're going to have a tough night. You're going to have a really <laughs> tough night. You, nobody likes cranky customers. <laughs> nope, nope. And you can't run out of popcorn or food because people they, get cranky. They get really upset. They do. So, <laughs> so again, this is Bobby Knight. The key is not the will to win. Everybody has that. The, uh, it is the will to prepare to win. And that's what's important. So, Producer Steve, are you ready for today's funnies? What if I say no? Well, I'm doing it anyway. Okay, I figured. Uh, Okay, okay. So, the teacher of the Earth Science class was lecturing on map reading. After explaining about latitude, longitude, degrees, and minutes, the teacher asked, suppose I ask you to meet me for lunch at 23 degrees, 4 minutes north latitude, and 45 degrees, 15 minutes east longitude. After a confused silence, a voice volunteered, I guess you'd be eating alone. 
Okay, as we jump in here, just want to say thank you to Zach and Patty and producer Steve and Keith for all that they do. We're going to jump into the headlines now. On the state level, oil and gas workers are paying it forward by tipping the bill. This is from Complete Colorado. Uh, Jamie Rhodes says, grew up hating the oil and gas industry, but now Rhodes and hundreds of others are paying it forward with total strangers in hopes of enlightening them to the positive economic impact of oil and gas workers through what's known as tip the bill. It's a random act of kindness being played out out by oil and gas employees who tip service industry employees 100% of the cost of their bill. And many, like Rhodes, have expanded that to paying the ticket for other customers at restaurants and nightclubs even utility bills. Susan, I think that this is really amazing. Uh, you know, oil and gas, industri- the oil and gas industry is is a big part of the economy here in Colorado. It is. You know, my daughter was in the oil and gas industry. That's right. That's right. And uh, we have seen an assault on the oil and gas industry by people that that it's not really about clean air and clean water. This is now just keep it in the ground. And you have to wonder why. And, and then this push that we have towards electric vehicles, which is going to increase the cost of electricity for everybody. Yep. Uh, it really kind of defies reason. And ultimately, gosh, it seems to me it's about control, power and control. Something because you, you can't defy reason. In fact, those electric cars... Uh, pollute more. You have to get rare minerals out of the ground for those batteries, and they come out of places like China and and uh, countries where they don't really value their people. You know, they're communist countries, and the bad thing about communism is every it's a collective. The individual is not important. Well, and, you know, we really don't know about uh, getting uh, disposing of these batteries. The electric car isn't quite old enough to know what to do with those electric batteries. A friend of mine had mentioned that to replace those batteries is anywhere from $5,000 to $8,000. And uh, and so we're not really, you know, that has not really been addressed. There's nothing that is uh, perfect that gets us back to the Garden of Eden, if you will. But uh, for for humans to flourish and to be able to do that responsibly, uh, you know, that's really, I think, our quest. But these kinds of... Um, of, of things of trying to keep keep oil and gas in the ground, that is really going to go against human flourishing. But you know, Susan, what we see with elites is they they think they can flourish, and then the unwashed masses, all of us, you know, we're going to have to uh, um, you know ride trains, uh, ride together, and that just doesn't work for free people that are trying to. Uh, to start their own businesses and take care of their families. That's right. They don't care that uh, capitalism has lifted more people out of poverty than any other system in, in more countries. I mean, we've essentially flopped the life expectancy even in countries. I know. And, you know, uh, my grandparents were poor. My grandmother grew up in a two-room sod house on the plains of western Kansas with, I think it was six brothers and sisters. And it's because of affordable, efficient, and reliable energy that I was able to get in a car, come over here, meet you, or on the air. And uh, it justifies reason why people would want to stop that. Yeah, absolutely. So I love the positive thing of tipping the bill here. Uh, Again, in Complete Colorado, Amy Oliver-Cook said that Excel's green energy con job collides with reality. Ratepayers will still be the big losers. So last year, Excel Energy sought and received approval from the... um, Colorado Public Utilities Commission for its ambitious Colorado Energy Plan, which is a massive $2.5 billion fuel switching scheme that intends to close two Pueblo coal plants, 
decades ahead of schedule. What do you think about the people's jobs down there? Yeah. And replace them with industrial wind and solar farms, which are not nearly as effective. And they're not perfect either. No. You know, again, you mentioned rare earth minerals. Mm -hmm. Rare earth minerals have to be uh, mined in third world countries for wind and solar. Yep. And, uh, And wind and solar is not as reliable as fossil fuels either. So anyway, an additional solar farm proposed during the same period of time ultimately convinced Evraz Rocky Mountain Steel, Excel's biggest customer and one of Pueblo's largest employers, to keep its business in Colorado. And so take a look at this article that Amy Oliver Cook had in Complete Colorado, because this really is a, a con job. Can I uh, interject here for a second? You really hope that somebody is doing their homework here. Now, those two coal-fired plants put out a specific amount of power, megawatts. Right. Do we know right right here and now that these replacement technologies are going to be able to hold the same load, or are we going to be tapping into the grid every time they fall short? That's an excellent question, and I don't think they have done their homework on that. I think we actually do know. Apparently, in California, according to an article I read yesterday. Oh, boy, California. Go ahead. Get this. They are planning for a week-long... blackouts when the winds get really high because of the fires that they had and that the the solar can't keep up so the blackouts is going to be the uh, option yes what does that do to your refrigeration what if uh, there's so many things people don't i don't think realize how much we rely on that you're not even able to charge your cell phone (laughs) (laughs) you know it seems irresponsible to me you know what? Very irresponsible. Steve, your thought? Well, it's it's this particular topic of, of what they want to do down around Pueblo or the, I'm going to get the acronyms messed up, LEVs or ZEVs. All these things, and we we keep on touching on the same thing here. All these things essentially are good ideas, but they keep on pushing them before their maturity, before they're proven, before they are stable. And then there's shortfalls. Well, we'll just have blackouts or brownouts. Yeah, that's not an option. You know, that's, uh, you know, we have been working to try to uh, provide energy for people. The option cannot be that we're going to have blackouts or, you know, in California that you don't flush your toilet on a regular basis. Yeah. You know, come on. You know, this is what this is what we are, are hiring our government officials to do is to make sure that that we can continue to thrive and prosper and instead their answer is don't do this don't do this don't do this apparently we're hiring leads <laughs> apparently so okay let's jump into let's see number three that patty had on here oh authorities are moving 55 migrants to denver from the crowded border shelter uh they've moved a group of my and this is from fox 32 news uh, they've moved these migrants to Colorado in order to alleviate the strain on overwhelmed shelters along the border. A group of 55 arrived in Denver by bus late Sunday, according to Mayor Ma- Michael Hancock. He said in a statement that the migrants are seeking refuge from violence from their home countries. Two nonprofits in Denver, American Friends Service Committee and Casa de Paz, are coordinating with faith communities on temporar- temporarily housing the 55 people, according to the city. Uh, Denver did not have a role in coordinating or funding this effort, city attorney Kristen M. Bronson said. Now, Michael Hancock said, you know, that that, uh, basically Denver, I guess he didn't really say that Denver is a sanctuary city, but the policies all indicate that it is. So apparently President Trump is um, um, honoring his promise to you. You want him? You've got him. Yeah. 
and uh, that's going to affect our communities right here. Oh, it really will. We can't even manage the homeless. It's right. a huge problem. It is a huge problem. So uh, anyway, I think uh, President Trump is honoring that commitment, and we'll see what happens with here in Denver. Of course, Michael Hancock is up for re-election. He's in that runoff that I think that's June 4th. That's right. Then ExxonMobil and the uh, National Renewable Energy Laboratory have launched a $100 million partnership for low emissions technology. This is by Western Wire. And it says the largest oil and gas company in the world and a Colorado National Research Laboratory announced a groundbreaking agreement Wednesday to advance lower emission technologies to combat climate change. And so ExxonMobil's pledged $100 million over the next 10 years in a partnership with the uh, NREL and the National Energy Technology Laboratory and other Department of Energy laboratories across the country with a focus on developing transformative advanced energy technologies with a focus on reducing emissions. And, you know, actually, Susan, if you take a look at it, I remember when I moved to Denver, there was a brown cloud. Mm-hmm. You know, we have really been working on that uh, a lot. And so I guess um, I don't know what I, I quite think about that. I don't know if I think this is a shakedown from the climate change people with Exxon or what it is exactly. But we'll have to keep an eye on that. Yes, we will. So we're going to go to break because uh, we have on the line in the second segment, we will be talking with uh, Dr. Chris Miller about intersectionality, and that is a prevalent word on campuses these days. But before we do that, um, the NHL playoffs, the Eastern Conference is set. It's the Boston Bruins and the Carolina Hurricanes. And in the Western Conference, it'll be the San Jose Sharks and the St. Louis Blues. The NBA playoffs, the Eastern Conference is the Milwaukee Bucks and Toronto Raptors. And the Western Conference is the Portland Trailblazers and the Golden State Warriors. The Rockies are traveling to Boston for a two-game series with the Red Sox. And then they'll be on to Philadelphia Friday for a three-game series with the Phillies. And Hooters Restaurants is my sports headquarters. It's the place to watch all these games. Wednesdays are wing days. That's uh, tomorrow. All the wings you can eat for fourteen ninety nine. The smoked wings are delicious. They're only half the calories. And you can have Hooters Wings delivered right to your front door. You can stop by and pick them up, take them home. Or, of course, they have all kinds of TVs. You can watch all the games there. And so for more information, visit HootersColorado.com. That's HootersColorado.com. Let them know that you know the Americhicks. And we'll be right back. We have uh, Susan Kochevar in studio with us, and we'll be talking with Dr. Chris Miller. Uh, Stay tuned. All AmeriChick sponsors are an exclusive partnership with the AmeriChicks and are not affiliated or in partnership with KLZ or Crawford Broadcasting. If you would like to support the work of the AmeriChicks with Kim Munson and grow your business, contact Kim at AmeriChicks.com. That's AmeriChicks.com. Award-winning realtor Karen Levine has 30 years of experience with REMAX Alliance. As a director with the National Association of Realtors, Karen Levine works to protect your private property rights. Karen Levine believes in home ownership. Since losing her mother to breast cancer, Karen Levine has helped to organize a local fundraising event called Karen's for the Cure, raising money for breast cancer research. Choose Karen Levine to buy or sell your home because she understands that it's more than just a house. Karen Levine comes highly recommended by the Americhicks with Kim Munson. So call award-winning realtor Karen Levine with REMAX Alliance today at 303-877-7516. That's 303-877-7516. Quesada, <laughs> whatever will be, will be. Uh, 
Welcome back to the Ameritics with Kim Munson, where we dissect issues as right versus wrong instead of right versus left, agree or disagree. Let's have a conversation offering you a conservatarian perspective. And that was Doris Day. Doris Day passed on yesterday. Rest in peace. I think we'll probably hear some other Doris Day songs. Uh, thrilled to have on the line with me, though, uh, Dr. Chris Miller. Uh, he is a Ph.D. He is an expert on higher education. And uh, we wanted to talk about higher education. So, Dr. Chris Miller, welcome to the AmeriChicks. And we've got Susan Kochevar in here as my guest chick. Thank you, Kim. Thanks for having me. Well, absolutely. Uh, You are an expert on higher education and what is happening on college campuses um, because you've you've studied a lot, right, Dr. Chris Miller? Yes, I have. Well, one of the things, one of the words that we hear all the time is uh, intersectionality. Uh, Parents, as your kids are coming home from college and for the summer break, you're going to hear this word. And I heard it, I'd say, about four or five years ago. And I heard it from a college student who said it with, with great um, expertise. And I'm like, what, what is that word? So explain what intersectionality is, Dr. Chris Miller. Well, intersectionality is when a person has more than one characteristic which defines them. Um, this could be anyone uh, who is, for example, young and white and male or black and female or for example, transgender and Hispanic. Um, and these characteristics are understood to intersect, and hence the word intersectionality. Um, it's emerged in uh, discursive spaces. Um, these are places or venues in which the world is defined. Um, and we give allegiance to these venues by participating in them. Um, they can be either academic uh, or in the political arena or um, even among entertainers. One of the things, I had read um, Ocasio-Cortez's New Green Deal, and uh, it seems that they're trying to bring a number of people to an intersection, if you will, intersectionality, and that would be people that are underserved or race or sexual orientation, and trying to bring them all together as groups to fight back, I think, on... uh, I, I want to say really the Western ideal, um, you know, the American ideal. But it seems like they're trying to get people to identify with all of these different things so that they can um, become groups to fight on what they think is kind of that big, bad evil. Am I correct on that? Yes, I think you are. And, um, you know, intersectionality as a theory and a methodology um, is is big on campuses, Um what I mean by um, methodology is um, that uh, policy making, planning, teaching, all of these um, are are you know taken into consideration when uh, someone speaks of intersectionality. The term was uh, coined by Kimberly Crenshaw, um, and um, interestingly enough, the, the, these theorists uh, like Crenshaw. Uh, McCall and Cho, um, they don't want these, um, they, they, they come at, from these perspectives, um, from the perspective of intersectionality, um, with skepticism of getting them involved in other um, fields. And I think uh, one of the reasons for that is that they want to uh, keep the, the term pure, well. Okay. Now, I'm, 
I, Susan and I kind of looked at each other. You said getting them involved in other fields. So what, what does that mean exactly, Dr. Chris Miller? Okay, well, that means, like, for example, um, the, the, the pure theorist of intersectionality wants to talk about um, how the, these apply to, um, to people and not to fields of study or um, policymaking. But the, um, the term is intersectionality definitely has been taken over by politicians and entertainers as well as academics of all fields and okay. areas of study. Mm-hmm. The other danger I see, um, Dr. Miller, is that with intersectionality, it has people identify as with a group instead of as an individual. And there's great danger then when people I look at other people as part of a group, then they kind of, I think, lose their compassion and their empathy for other individuals. And then you can start to see, you know, kind of these attacks on different groups. Uh, an example might be, you know, the Covington kids there at the March for Life. Uh, because they looked a certain way, the media felt and and uh, and Hollywood felt that they could go after them. When in essence, when you saw the whole story, it was totally fabricated. But they were trying to identify them with a group, and I find great danger in that. Yes, I agree with that. Um, there are um, areas of, of people who are being defined in groups. And um, these intersectionality is a way to bring different groups together um, and different uh, people together on the same plane. Um, so, for example, if a um, if a certain um, line of oppression um, intersects or or co-defines another person. Um, then in opposing them, you would have to oppose them all simultaneously. In other words, um, if someone is, for example, transgender and um, Hispanic, then if you were to take, um, for example, the, the, the transgender group and uh, define them as a group and um, discriminate against them, then you would then be discriminating against um Hispanic people as well. So that does come down to to group identity. So what do we do about it, Dr. Chris Miller? What do parents do about this? Because I think that uh, a lot of, you know, a lot of people, we've worked hard, we we sent our kids to college, kids are taking on college debt, and I think we're doing a real disservice to them. Uh, You know, school's just about over, kids are going to be coming home this summer. What do parents do about this? Well, one of the things you need to do is become educated yourself on on these matters. Uh, it's not a um, it's not as simple as just saying you know don't believe what the liberals teach you in school. Don't believe what the progressives teach you in school. You have to be educated yourself, and you have to be ready to um, to have a dialogue with your with your children or um, young adults. Well, and one of the ways people can get educated is they can listen to the Americhicks with Kim Munson every Monday through Friday. Yes. 
<laughs> now, the other thing, though, is you, you write a lot about this, and uh, I believe that can be found at CRISPR Christian uh, at blogspot.com, right? Is that, do I have that right? C-H-R-I-S-P-E-R? Yeah, it's CRISPR Christian, all one word, dot blogspot.com. Okay. And CRISPR is C-H-R-I-S-P-E-R, then Christian, dot blogspot.com. And I know that this is something that is really on your heart because you've been on college campuses. How many, for how many years were you on college campuses? Oh, my. Decades. 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 Uh, these, these ideas are not new. They go back to the 80s to the 70s. They're, they're, um, they're things that people need to be concerned about, and, and they, they're just giving you branded names like intersectionality. Well, and to that point, Dr. Miller, parents need to really be involved. Susan Kochevar, you have a comment. Yeah, I kind of have a question, Dr. Miller. It seems like some of these terms are are sort of made up and designed to make the average person or even the parents feel dumbed down and stupid because what does intersectionality mean? Would you agree with that? Yeah, I definitely agree with that. These these terms, like um, that term, um, hegemony, narrative, um, speaking of the other, um, they're, they're all terms that people have made up and um, use as, as tools against um, conservative values. Okay, well, let's stay on top of this, Dr. Miller. Thank you so much for joining us this morning. Oh, you're welcome. I, I really appreciate your time. Absolutely. And that, again, is crisperchristian.blogspot.com. You can find everything that Dr. Miller is writing right there. So thanks so much. Thank you. Okay. And we're going to jump over here. Jason McBride, Presidential Wealth Management. How are you doing? Oh, I'm doing just wonderful, Kim. Good morning. Well, good to talk with you. Yesterday was a kind of an interesting day, but one of the things that I saw, the headlines, was there was this $2 billion judgment against Bayer, um, which I think had been the par- uh, parent company of Bayer Aspirin many years ago, but, but Bayer. And, and Bayer had bought Monsanto. And so there was this $2 billion judgment uh, against Monsanto, and I thought that was kind of interesting. I wanted to see what, what's your thoughts about that. Well, that, that's, yeah, it's pretty huge. And again, this is uh, another verdict on this Roundup uh, weed killer and yeah, a California jury awarded a couple two billion dollars uh, because they uh, claim that they have cancer because of using Roundup weed killer. Wow, two billion dollars is a lot of money. Um, it is. And uh, what do you think that's going to do to uh, the company? Well, Bear, uh, no pun intended, but they you know acquired Monsanto last year. I mean, they knew that this uh, stuff was floating around. Uh, you know, again, no pun intended, but boy, I bet they're saying this sure is a headache. <laughs> You're good. <laughs> you should well, that was an easy one. That was an easy one, Kim. But yeah, Bear uh, Bear stock was at like $33, $34 uh, at the beginning of this year. Uh, it closed out yesterday at about 16 so it's been it's been cut in half. Uh, and is not performing all that well. Their earnings, 
down two of the last four quarters. The two quarters they were up, it was a measly three and five percent. So yeah, this this might be a decision they're going to be unhappy they ever made to buy Monsanto. Yeah, and I saw that a number of the shareholders weren't uh, too jazzed about the whole thing either. So, um, you know, I really appreciate you doing all the research on that, Jason. And I know that you really research things out, and you're willing to to sit down with people and talk about their nest eggs as well as all of your other colleagues over there at Presidential Wealth Management. So um, we, have a, we have a landing page together. You can see our picture together there, Jason, and, and me at chickspresidential.com. So be sure and check that out. And then you do a weekly blog as well, um, and, or not a blog, a uh, podcast, and that is on there also. Yeah, there, I think there's a lot of good info on there. We've got all of our podcasts on there. There was one on there I did with you, and we talked about Tabor a lot. Uh, and, and again, at Presidential, I think our, our guys and gals do a real good job of helping people to see where they are, uh, where it might take them, and to really help them understand what it means for ultimately what most people are investing for, and that's to create retirement income at some point down the road. So whether you're younger, older, I think it's good to kind of do a plan and get a picture and, and know why you're doing what you're doing. Well, and you know what, that really, um, that goes to our quote today. I don't know if you remember that uh, from the first segment, but Bobby Knight said, the key is not the will to win. Everybody has that. The will, it, it is the will to prepare to win. And that's what you guys do over at Presidential Wealth Management is help people try to prepare to win. I think that's uh, that's a good quote. We do our best, that's for sure. Okay, so check out chickspresidential.com. That's chickspresidential.com. And Jason, we will talk to you tomorrow. Thanks, Kim. Okay, we're going to go to break. Thrilled to have in studio with me, entrepreneur, businesswoman, owner of the 88 Drive-In Theater, Susan Kochevar. And uh, we'll we'll have to talk about what movies you have coming as well. So we'll keep that as our cliffhanger. Okay. Okay, we'll be right back. You want to succeed, so you need to dress for the job, event, or relationship that you seek. For over 30 years, entrepreneur, stylist, and Americhick Kim Munson has been helping women look their very best. And guys, Kim can help you with made-to-measure shirts that fit great and you'll love to wear. Guys and gals, if you want to up your game and freshen your look, email Kim at Americhicks.com for your initial style consult. Kim at americhicks.com. Presidential Wealth Management has educated thousands of Coloradans at our free financial education classes. Our Lakewood class will be held at the Lakewood Library on Tuesday, May 14th and Thursday, May 16th at 6 p.m. Go to chickspresidential.com to sign up online or call 303-694-1600 and make your reservation with Natalie. Come join the 88 Drive-In for all your favorite blockbuster movies. We're open seven days a week. Admission is only $9 per person and children under 12 are free. Friday, May 10th through Thursday, May 16th, features will include Pokemon Detective Pikachu, Avengers Endgame, and Captain Marvel. And remember our popular Monday through Thursday pizza special? Get one 12-inch pizza served fresh and hot from our oven and two tall, cool 16-ounce sodas, all for only 12 bucks. Plus, now you can top it all off with our new sweet, crunchy churros and a steaming cup of hot chocolate. For more information, go to our Facebook page or visit our website at 88drivein.net. You get more out of life when you go out to a movie. When I was just a little girl, I asked my mother, what will I be? 
Ah, uh, the first time I, last time I'm going to sing on the radio. Oh, quit it, Steve. Quit it. <laughs> that microphone is for speech only. <laughs> That is so mean. That's no, no, good. that was that, actually it's pretty good. I said, I said, actually, I've always wanted to be on stage, and my choir director said the next one leaves in ten minutes. Ooh, ooh, it hurt. It Ouch. hurt. Okay, so, hey, welcome back to the Americhicks with Kim Munson as we dissect issues as right versus wrong instead of right versus left. Agree or disagree? Let's have a conversation. Offering you a conservatarian perspective. Thrilled to have in studio with me. Entrepreneur, businesswoman, and owner of the 88 Drive-In Theater, Susan Kochevar. It's always a treat. Thank you for being here. So what's the movies this weekend? We are carrying over our same program. It's going over very well. So we have Pokemon Detective Pikachu, which looks super cute. We had lots and lots of little kids this uh, last weekend. And then we have uh, Avengers Endgame, the ever-popular the movie is three hours long, so you'll want to buy one of our new energy drinks. Okay. Yep. And um, then we have our last feature, Captain Marvel. Okay. So, you know what? We need to do an Americhicks night out yeah. at the 88 Drive-In Theater. Let's get that figured out. Okay. That sounds good. Okay. Sounds good. So, but let's jump in here. Uh, it was a tough, tough uh, time for small business down at the Capitol. So I know that you've been watching that. Uh, so what should small businesses be concerned about? Well, I think one of the most terrifying things for me is the uh, bill that passed that allows cities, municipalities to set minimum wage. We saw what happened in Seattle with that and uh, how all the businesses moved out. You know, we already have uh, a minimum wage amendment, which raised our minimum wage 90 cents every year for three years. So last year, minimum wage went up a year, uh, 90 cents. This year, it went up 90 cents. And next year, it went. it's going up another 90 cents. And payroll, as we talked before, um, payroll taxes are a percentage of payroll. So that goes up massively as well. With cities just arbitrarily increasing minimum wage, that's just going to destroy the small businesses. You know, I hire a lot of really young kids mm-hmm. out of high school and stuff, and it's most usually their first job. And they'll stay with me for three or four years, sometimes a little longer when they're going to college or whatever they're doing. And the really nasty effect is the kids start working for me, and they sometimes don't have any skills at all. They don't even know how to work a can opener. So I start teaching them that. I teach them how to run the register. Sometimes I have to teach them their math or multiples of nine, you know, mm-hmm. which is our admission, $9 per person. So I teach them all these skills. They stay with me. They, they work really hard. They have great ideas. And when minimum wage comes in and I have to hire next year a new set of kids that have no skills for 90 cents more, it's really hard for me to give raises to the kids who've been with me the longest. All this does is flatten out wages, makes everybody the same. It's really a bad thing in addition to being really hard on your bottom line. Well, and ultimately... Shouldn't it be the right of an employer and employee to negotiate what that payment is going to be instead of government coming in and doing this? Absolutely, it should. And some people are more motivated and work harder than other people. And that pay raise is an incentive to get the best out of your people. And when that's taken away, you know, then the people who would tend to work really hard, why work so hard? You're only going to make the same pay. It's really bad for people, bad for kids. Well, and uh, so ultimately what will happen is is the kids won't get that. Some some kids won't Mm -hmm. get that first job. Lots of them, yeah. 
And I remember my first job was at Daylight Donuts and Chicken Inn, and I should have paid them because uh, it was exactly what you're describing is they trained me mm-hmm. uh, and but learning to work with the public, uh, so many skills that were so, so important. And ultimately, forced minimum wage is going to uh, take that opportunity away from a number of young people because that first job is your is, you know, where you learn your work ethic and where you learn how to do these different things so that you can go on and be a success. So ultimately, you know, Susan, we were talking about during break, you have things that sound like a good value, you know, jobs for people, um, you know, clean air, clean water, uh, childhood vaccinations. And then what is happening is the radical regressives, on the left, yes. are doing things that ultimately actually, because of force, are going to hurt people. It is. It's a childlike mentality. We can make everything fair and even, and nothing works that way. It's just not reality. You know, uh, you could give, you know, five people $1,000, and by the end of the week, some people would have more than $1,000, some people would have less, but it would be because of their personal choices. And that is... Uh, I mean, that is what's so good about the American idea. So, yeah, forced minimum wage. This is the other thing, though, Susan, that I've realized. And that is, and we have been asleep at the wheel. These activists have been playing um, chess, and we've been playing tiddlyweeks. Mm-hmm. And so they have basically taken over local government and school boards. Yeah. And uh, it's really kind of a thankless job. I served on for four years on city council. Takes a lot of time. I think that we were paid like eight, eight hundred and eighty or $800 a month or something. I figured it probably worked out to be about $2 an hour. Probably because so. Because you had yeah. all these different meetings that you had to go to. And you go to meetings where the bureaucrats that are sitting there across the table from you, they're making, you know, six figures plus benefits. They're city managers for sure. Yeah. And so, so, but what has happened is the left has used this as a springboard. Uh, a place that that um, that they've they've really kind of taken over this uh, local government. We haven't been paying attention, and then they also use that as a springboard to send people on up to the state legislature on on up from there. But what they can't get done at the state legislature, mm-hmm. they're pushing back down to the local level. Exactly, county commissioners, city councils, and when you run a small business, it's very hard to stay up with everything, all the regulations, and pay attention to the city council, the county commissioners, the state government, state legislature, let alone watch all those bills that come through and get down that ever testify. You're working. And watch what the federal government does. Overall, way, way too much government. Way too much government. So um, what are some of the other things that you're concerned about? Well, one of the other things I'm really concerned about is our governor, before he was elected, was in an SEIU meeting, and he was talking about some of the policies that he wanted to implement, and one of those was criminalizing employment law, putting teeth in employment law, he said. That is terrifying to me. Right now, if you, as an employer, are accused of anything, you have to go before the bureaucrats and prove your innocence. I mean, there's no, there's no due process. It's, it's just really a backwards sort of thing. And it, a lot of times it comes to a he said, she said. Everybody, um, I think a lot of times what happens is employers are criminalized or, or demonized. 
and always looked at, well, surely you must be doing something wrong if this employee has an issue. But, you know, people are people. They're they're good and bad on both sides. And this and we all have good and bad days, too. Good and bad days. And uh, people that are, yeah, people that are trying to gain the system. Always you have that. So criminalizing something like employment law will just destroy entrepreneurism. You know, it, it'll go right along with minimum wage. Companies, big companies like McDonald's will figure out ways to implement technology so they don't have to hire people, cost less, the risk's lower, and then small companies just won't open and will figure out how to do with fewer people. I can tell you we are already figuring out um, how to um, change our product line so that we don't need as much staff. All this stuff super hurts uh, employment. Why? What, what, what do you think the reason is? You know, I, there just seems to be this super negative attitude towards entrepreneurs or business people. It seems to be the attitude of, well, you just must be, you know, raking in the money and stuffing it in safe. And it, nothing could be farther from the truth. You do have to save money in case you have a problem and reinvest it in your business and stuff. Um, but, you know, in our country, it's that promise of entrepreneurism and the ability to get rich with that huge incentive that keeps us from being a classless society and keeps people motivated and productive. It's it's really what's produced so many great things in our country. And I, that attitude is, is uh, maybe it's being pushed by people who prefer to be lazy. I don't know. You know, that is a word I haven't heard in a long time, and that is the word lazy. You know it, and uh, there are people that actually are lazy mm-hmm. that they want to get something for nothing, and then also there's this uh, the politics of envy. Terrible problem, yes. And that is that is really what uh, Marxism, what communism, what socialism is based on. It's based on envy. Mm-hmm. And then when we were talking with Dr. Chris Miller earlier, they're trying to take then that envy and use this intersectionality of looking at these other groups. And looking at that group as uh, they got ahead, and so they must have done that on the backs of people yep. versus, you know, maybe they had a great idea mm-hmm. and people were willing to trade their hard-earned dollars for that. Um, let's go to break. When we come back, I want to talk a little bit more about this, but also some of the other things that small businesses should be concerned about regarding this last legislative session. So this is okay. Kim Munson with the AmeriChicks. We'll be right back with Susan Kochevar. The mortgage process can be stressful, and with a potential increase in interest rates, it's more important than ever to get pre-qualified now so you're ready to buy. Call Kim Sturtz and Mark Cook with Home Mortgage Alliance to make sure you are making the right financial choice for you and your family. 303-517-7173. With over 30 years of combined experience, Kim Sturtz and Mark Cook of Home Mortgage Alliance have the knowledge and expertise to explore the many financing options available to you. They will remain available seven days a week, and they will always respond quickly to your calls because they pride themselves on their excellent customer service. Choose the only mortgage professionals recommended by the AmeriChicks with Kim Munson. Call Kim Sturtz and Mark Cook with Home Mortgage Alliance today, 303-517-7173. 303-517-7173. Dan Predovich and his team at Predovich & Company help your business plan ahead financially. The AmeriChicks with Kim Munson highly recommends Predovich & Company as your financial business consultant. Predovich & Company will take care of your tax preparation, bookkeeping, and business advisory services. Dan Predovich and his team want to learn the unique needs of your business through real, honest dialogue. Because of their advanced technological capabilities, Predovich & Company can help clients anywhere in the United States. 
Call 303-791-3000 to start preparing now for next year's tax season. Organize your business finances with Predovich & Company. Call 303-791-3000 today. Anything you can do, I can do better. I can do anything better than you. No, you can't. Yes, I can. No, Welcome can. back yes, to the Americhicks no, with Kim Munson. Uh, dissecting issues is right versus wrong instead of right versus left. Agree or disagree? Let's have a conversation. That was Doris Day. In today's age, that probably would trigger somebody. Probably so. If somebody said that they could do something better than somebody else, you know, because we're supposed to all be even, yes. even, even. So Susan Kochevar in studio with uh, with me. You are an entrepreneur, businesswoman, owner of the 88 Drive-In Theater. And again, what's the movies this weekend? Let's see. Detective uh, Pikachu. Okay. So that looks really good. Pokemon. And then we have Avengers Endgame and the last one, Captain Marvel. Sounds like a lot of fun. Oh, the product this year looks fantastic. So many good movies coming up. Great. And uh, I do hear that you have funnel cake out there. We do. We have funnel cake, yes. You can have two toppings, chocolate or strawberry. Yum. Okay. And the best popcorn in town. Uh, yes. You know what? I actually bought it out of a, off of a farmer out of um, Nebraska. Cool. This year. Brand Very new cool. popcorn. Super good. Okay, great. So, well, let's talk about some very serious things as well. And that is these um, additional taxes, fees, rules, and regulations that really will, uh, will hurt small businesses. And we talked about the criminalizing employers. Mm-hmm. Ouch. And then the forced minimum wage, local minimum wage. Uh, it seems like, uh, you know, they're, they're, you know, kind of putting their tentacles out. If they can't get it past one place, then they're going to push it down to local. Although <laughs> it was really interesting at Stanford, Colorado, uh, the rally on Friday afternoon, uh, well County commissioner, Barb Kirkmeyer mm-hmm. said, okay, you guys want local control. You know what? We're going to have local control regarding oil and gas development. And we are not going to, at least the way I read it is we're not going to institute 181 Senate bill. one eighty one. So we need though to start to run, um, people that value entrepreneurship, business people. I, in a way I kind of look at, and not to take anything away from the military, but I kind of look at my four years on city council as, uh, <laughs> being in the service, you know it? Oh Yeah. Because it's a lot of time, but everybody, I think, needs to step up and take their turn mm-hmm. because the left is taking it over and we're seeing what's happening. Yep. They take their turn. OK, so let's talk about some more of these very bad bills. Which one do you want to talk about now, Susan Kochevar? Hmm, that family leave bill really bothers me. Uh, it didn't pass, but it'll be back. No, it will be back. All of this stuff will be back and more. And if you want to know what's going to come through our state, look at some of the other states, especially back east in California and Oregon, places like that. Uh, there is some really nasty stuff coming. You know, they all talk, and uh, boy, it's scary. So the next session, I think, is going to be even more terrifying. You know, I was talking with some people yesterday, and there's been... The thought that maybe that this was the worst because next year it'll be right before, you know, election season. Mm-hmm. But the word on the street is no, that they're going to double down. You're going to see this forced vaccination. I, yep. I hear it's going to be worse than this one. Uh, the family leave program. This is an unsustainable uh, government program yep. where people could take um, time off to care for loved ones. And uh, good. Hey, good idea. Just good. There's a good idea. But. But it's not government's role. No, and they're going to take money from everybody's checks. I can tell you that I have some people that work for me that need every dime for their cell phone bills, their food, their heat. They have children. They have young families. Uh, That doesn't help them at all. 
Not at all. And, you know, the other thing is, we were just sitting here thinking, I was looking at, uh, you know, there was that, let's see, the Initiative 300, which was the, it, it went down, it was the um, thing where people could camp or live anywhere mm-hmm. on any property in the city and county of Denver. Yep. And, um, you know, as you look at something, I lost my train of thought what I was thinking about on that now. <laughs> Oh, I know what it was. Uh, we had had um, uh, uh, one of the guys in from the Denver Metro Realtors Association. And they said, and he said that they are spending uh, an average of $20,000. Denver is spending a t- an average of $20,000 per homeless person. And, but you know where a lot of that money is going? It's going into the pockets of bureaucrats and elitists that are running these programs. Yeah. That's where that's where the money's going. It takes a ton of money to uh, administer all that stuff, and that's one of the things that you'll see even with this family leave type bill. So all the money is taken out of people's checks, then it has to be administered, collected, and distributed and stuff like that. By the time it gets back to the people, it's never what it they promise. It just sits on the dollar. Mm-hmm. It's just, so they have so in a way, so, and many of these programs are really ways to fund their pockets. Absolutely. One other thing that bothers me about that sort of thing and uh, the forced vaccinations, if you look at Oregon and some of the scary things that they're doing in, uh, with their um, uh, social services, they have mandated now that every time somebody has a new baby, somebody gets to come into your home to make sure that, you know, a home visit when the baby comes home. And one of the things on that is to make sure that they have their vaccinations. Yeah. Now, if we were so... And, and this is the... Okay, forced vaccinations. I, this is, It's been a journey for me to get to this because I've always thought that vaccinating our children against childhood diseases is a good idea. Mm-hmm. But then when I look at what this is being morphed into... Yeah. Um, and I look at the players... It's the people on the far activist left that are doing this. These are the people, though, that are also pro-abortion. Yeah, and I'm concerned, too, because you have the big pharma in there who can who has a dog in the fight. So maybe the stuff's effective. Maybe it doesn't do anything. And it, we know it damages some people. So I just that, let's just not pitch all that on to everybody. Let's let people make their own decisions. It just... Well, and if you force it, then and Big Pharma doesn't have to be accountable. No, they're not accountable. They then. don't have to make sure that they're providing a product that people want. When people do the research, they say, oh, I, I look at this, I see the different things, and yes, I think this is good for my, my child, instead of government coming in and saying, I mean, yeah, it, it's beyond belief to me. But what you just mentioned about Oregon, yeah. where they are going to have uh, forced visits into your home when... You have a new baby, and new babies, you know, new moms, it's a, oh. it's tough. I, I mean, the last thing you want is government coming in and judging you. Yeah, well, and they'll be looking around your home, and who knows what they'll decide. These people don't know better than other people. My gosh, we are a species that was born in the dirt. We survived. It's just so much over control, it, uh, and, and people thinking they know better than everybody else how things should specifically be done. Okay. So let's circle back then to this family leave bill. Okay. Let's say that you have a new baby or that you have an elderly parent that needs help. Um, what, do, what would be the options? What are the options, not government options, that we could do to help people? What do you think? Well, I know that uh, there is that there are 
nonprofits that are already set up. Uh, I, I contribute to one to help people stay in their homes when they're elderly. Uh, they drive them around. They get their groceries for them. And there's no money collected from everybody and going through an administration being processed. Every dollar goes to these these folks. So there's so many other options from really caring people. So we could lower taxes. Lower taxes. And then people would have more money to fund these different kinds of things. Mm-hmm. And, you know, to that point, uh, I have a, a neighbor up the street. She... Um, She's elderly, and uh, she actually gave my kids all their first jobs mowing lawns. And she had needed a ride to the eye doctor. And uh, it was kind of last minute, and I I thought I was going to have to come back to the station to do a recording. So I said, okay, I'll take you, I'll drop you off, and then I'll come back and get you. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, so we get over there, and uh, I said, okay, and, and, you know, the waiting room was pretty full. And I said, okay, now, you know, you just wait for me, I'll be back. And there was a couple there. And he was a, a, a veteran, and I commented on his hat. And uh, so my, my friend went back to for her examination, and they looked at me and they said, well, we live in Parker, and we would be happy to take your friend home, you know. And um, yeah. I'm thinking, is this not an amazing country yeah. that these people would do that? As it turned out, I didn't have to come back to the, do the recording. I was able to just wait for her. But I thought, this is what it is, is neighbor helping neighbor, not government doing it. That's right. All those really nice connections. That's for sure. One of the other things that I don't think that got solved during this last legislative session was the sales tax mess that we have going on. Oh, and that's right. uh, Boy, I don't know what, what's, how that's going to be resolved. I know a small business person that has decided to close their business. And uh, what I had actually suggested when I was on city council, if, if we want to try to fix this, is, is that sales tax should be collected at the place where the business is. Yes. Instead of now, all these little businesses are supposed to try to collect sales tax and all these. So if I have a T-shirt business and I sell T-shirts in all the different counties here in uh, Colorado, I might have to file sales tax in each of those counties. And you're subject to audit. From and each of those, subject. I know that uh, American Furniture Warehouse Jake Jabs talked about that and how he has to, how much it costs him. He has to pay, I think, two or three full-time people at least just to manage the sales tax now. Well, so it is a mess. And again, uh, our uh, politicians and bureaucrats, instead of making, you know, solving the problem, they've made it worse. Made it worse. So, Susan Kochevar, thank you so much for being in studio. Thank you. Any final thoughts? I love being here and uh, go out and be an entrepreneur. Sounds great. And you know what? You are a valued partner. I so appreciate what you do with us. So thank Thank you. you. And uh, so our quote for today, uh, Jason Kidd. He, uh, as it stands today, Jason Kidd has the third most triple double in NBA history behind only to Magic Johnson and Oscar Robertson. He is also the second in all-time assist and steals behind John Stockton. And his quote for today says, a lot of late nights in the gym, a lot of early mornings, especially when your friends are going out, you're going to the gym, and those are the sacrifices that you have to make if you want to be an NBA basketball player. And that's Jason Kidd. And that's one of the things, Susan Kochevar, that I think you're teaching those kids that work for you is to prepare and to strive for excellence. You know, all those things that are so important to the American idea. Yes. So it's great to have you here. So this is Kim Munson. Today, read great books, think good thoughts, listen to beautiful music, communicate and listen well, live honestly and authentically, strive for high ideals, and like Superman, stand for truth, justice, and the American way. This is Kim Munson signing off. God bless you, and God bless America.